<laughs> That's how we start the show. Hey, how you doing, everybody? This is uh, Digis Need along with my co-host Talon Kell, and welcome to New Wakanda, the uh, the We Are Alive edition of this show, as we said. So, uh, yeah, we we uh, we kind of going back and forth here as far as uh, you know. We were overdue for a show, and then Talon had the the great idea, you know, that we should actually switch the video this time. You know, to kind of work with uh, a million Zoom meetings everybody's in and, you know, digital uh, social distancing is like the new norm now. Uh, you know, we get to see, you know, who's who has and who hasn't been to the uh, the barber slash salon, you know, with uh, Georgia and a lot of places relaxed policies. And... You really had to bring that up, though? Yeah, you know. With my new quarantine hair that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> oh, I got the... Uh, yeah, I had a struggle quarantine beard and, and everything else, so it's all right. But first off, welcome. Thank you guys and uh, everyone for tuning in. And yeah, let's see how this goes. So first off, Talin, how are you? How have you been? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, hmm. yeah, I got anxiety, like hardcore anxiety. So <laughs> it's just this roller coaster of sometimes everything's cool and other times I'm like, pulling my hair out i don't know what to do i don't know how to cope um and trying to figure out how i can kind of maintain in all of this and it's it's not it's not easy this is some real not great stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i understand i i I'm, i mean i don't want to say literally but i don't know what day it is like what month it is i have no type of concentration right now like it is if the a branch rustles outside, it's got my full attention for like ten to fifteen minutes, and I don't know what's going on. It's just, yeah, there, there's no point of, of reference to uh, things. All right, right now I'm not working, so I got furloughed from work. Uh, got projects I should be working on. This should be a creative dream for me. I get to sit home, and the only thing I have to do is what I need to do, and I'm finding everything to do but that. And so, uh, of course, you know, we're talking about creativity and things like that. I am just in a uh, a sand pit like I can't get out of, I just can't move and I'm just watching these days just roll by weeks roll by and I'm like oh yeah I'll do it tomorrow and then it's two weeks later and I'm like oh yeah I said I was gonna do that another two weeks so it's like this is just a surreal time it's almost like being in the the upside down if we're gonna go send your things or some strange place where it, it looks like reality but this isn't so for me it's it, it's just trying to find some routine in a routineless life right now. I'm in the opposite boat. Um, I have my job. I, I picked up a job in February. Mm-hmm. And the job itself, ugh, I don't even, I, man, I, I think I've mentioned before, and anybody who follows me online knows that I've talked about how I got fucking hoodwinked into this job. <laughs> Got run amok and led astray. I was. I was. <laughs> I interviewed for a completely different job. And when I started, I found out I was doing something that was outside. It's not something I would choose. It's something I can do, but it takes a different level of concentration, a different way of thinking that I don't usually engage in. And so, um, and I'm doing data analysis, which on a light side, I don't mind doing it, but I don't like doing it on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And, you know, this is, but now this is my full-time gig. On the one hand, I'm very grateful because, you know, um, I do have 
income and I, I'm able to keep my insurance and all the worries that go with unemployment are not a worry right now. And I was unemployed for like, what, several months, like three or four months, four months prior to that. So it was a, a bonus for that. But the weird part is that they want you to act like everything's normal at, when you're working, even though you're teleworking. And I haven't done the same thing twice for this job, like two months in a row. Everything keeps changing in this job. So as soon as I start feeling like I know something, something completely changes. So I'm having to really focus on trying to learn different stuff and meet there. And it's a high deliverable job. So there I'm constantly producing reports and that kind of stuff and making up stuff. They keep coming to me like I'm the expert on this. I am not the expert on this. But whatever. So I do have to maintain the the nine to five. I do have to keep the schedule. I know what day of the week it is most of the time. Um, weekends are rough though, cause I wake up like, <gasps> do I have to log in? Do I have to? What what day is it? And I have to go back through, cause most of the week I have to be in front of the computer by a certain time. And then there's only two days when I don't, and I don't leave the house that much. Um, maybe to pick up groceries or something along those lines. But yeah, and creatively, I, for the most part, I sat back and said, I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm just not doing it. Like I had to sit back and just say, it's not going to happen. I'm <laughs> not going to do it. And then what ended up happening is that because I kind of let a whole bunch of stuff go, when I say let it go, I mean, I wasn't doing anything. I was like watching Netflix I was watching mm. subtitled, you know, Korean and Chinese dramas for like two weeks. Um, I literally, I watched a 49 episode drama. That shit was like an hour each episode. So what, 49 hours? That's <laughs> yeah, a dedication, yeah. And I was watching three and four episodes a day after work. So I was really like, I'm just not doing anything. But then I started wanting to do stuff. So... Like, I've been playing with my wigs a lot. Um, I've been coming up with things I kind of want to dress up some. Um, I'm actually working on a couple of costumes that will never leave the house. That's actually not a bad thing because then you don't have to worry about if it falls apart. So, <laughs> yeah. You can make some janky shit and take some pictures. Everybody's like, that's awesome. And you take one step, everything falls off you. Like, it's, it's totally fine. <laughs> um, and I've been cooking a lot more because uh, I have time. And basically what it's boiled down to is that one of my stress relievers is to do creative stuff. Not necessarily writing per se, but something artistic in some way or creative in some way. So between the cooking, between the playing with makeup, between designing some costumes and then putting stuff together and making new stuff without the pressure necessarily of having to meet some deadline or some uh, some external person's you know standards or even the standards of like I said walking down the street in it it's just oh yeah I'm making all this disposable stuff that's fine it's mm. fine so I've been doing a lot of that well that's again that's that's a uh, salute to you uh I've been trying to do different things I think again it's been a consistency of doing stuff you know, I see, of course, you know, you're as a star. Is it Stardew Valley that you stream, right? I stream Garden Paws now. It's Garden Paws now, right? That's it. I knew it, it used to be Star. It used to be that one yeah. right now. It's Garden Paws, right? So seeing how, you know, you're you're a cool kid doing the streaming stuff. Uh, I try to do that. Uh, 
with our uh, cohort, uh, Robert Jeffrey II, and playing like World War Z, which is pretty much my favorite game. And trying to figure out the ease of the fact that, again, Xbox is, it makes it kind of dummy proof where you can kind of put up with you play your game. So I started getting into that a little bit. Um, I love I love doing that stuff, but I also look at it as you should be writing. You, you know, it's almost now where I don't touch it unless it's like doing something on the weekend. And it's not that I'm writing any, but, you know, I'm trying to find new little outlets to, to try to explore. Uh, trying to get back into animation, well, more of 3D modeling, which I used to do. Um, this is like a, a lifetime ago, and I used to be like a localization agent for uh, some game stuff in North Carolina. Uh, yeah, just trying to learn some new skills, but there's a skill called writing I still need to get down and get back. So I don't want to beat myself up too much, and because I, I do that. And I can say, like, I probably have, like, five real projects that I'm working on at any given time. But I can say, like... Uh, it's like we live in like a residential area and you hear the police going right past them. we live in this residential area we never have that somebody's ran from the police yeah you can hear it but we live by the police station uh yeah in a good way you know it's real quiet but somebody just hauled tail through here i'm sorry about that uh but that's uh you know we live in the hood so i don't know where you live now i don't i don't know where you oh, live Nailville, that's a very facetious way to say we're a very uh, quiet suburban uh, North Atlanta. But again, it just so happens that we are uh, by the police station. But yeah, that's, and they are still going. It's like four cars. Wow. Anywho, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to just be dreaming of that hot rod sound now. But uh, yeah, I, I was getting mad to say that. Um, I've had a lot of good collaborative conversations with people, whether or not, not to say that, Hey, we need to work on something, but more just, uh, just a check in and, and, and actually talk about this, the same subject that it, it's not just me or maybe not just us, like having trouble concentrating on the things that we think we should be doing. But then it's the idea of us allowing yourself permission to not make this another, um, parable or another, you know, what is it like Facebook posts? Like, you know, why you need to write a novel during this quarantine, or, you know, setting some unrealistic expectation. Like if you don't do something with this time, that's on you. Yeah. All right, man, we five. Like you can die going to the grocery store right now. I don't think somebody going to be like, well, he finished that book. <laughs> you know, I would love in my mind. I started like that. And I think I tried too hard to, to kind of give myself that that goal. Now I'm, I'm like, you know what? I took a shower today. That's good on you. And you know, I'm 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 in that coasting space right now. Just I just need to kind of heal up on a few other things that seem to run right concurrent with this. And I'm just giving myself permission to not have five books when Christmas comes around because I wrote a novel uh, every month. You know, like uh, like a madman. So. I think that's been the biggest thing I've tried to struggle. I've been struggling with, but trying to take away from this is if I don't do anything creative, it's okay. As much as I want to be this creative mind that, you know, works on several things now doesn't have to be the time. And and I'm good with that now. Um, So all that said, I still need to be working on something, but I'm just giving myself that time to be like, you know what? Get a job first. (laughs) Work on that. That could be your thing. Uh, Just, eat better do some 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 simple uh simple stuff now or 
to the real sense, just enjoy the fact that uh, the world is as slow as it's ever going to get the rest of our existence. It'll never be this slow unless there's dinosaurs outside, which you know, we already at, upgraded the murder hornets for May. You know, I got to think Jurassic Park, we're going to discover it like in October. See, you're doing and that thing, like how much worse can it get? Don't ask that question. We don't want to know. Right. Well, it's, like, this uh, is bad. This is real yeah. bad. Right. And I mean, it's it's so bad. And I keep saying it is they announced that UFOs were real. And like that's everybody's just like, oh, well, like it's we, we don't, well, we it just got it was a byline. Like it just got like no play. Like, oh, hey, you know, we know UFOs are being here. But, you know, can you find toilet paper? That's the answer. Where's the um, hand sanitizer? We care more about that. I mean, UFOs. that's because, you know, that hierarchy of needs, we're in survival mode. Like, we're in hardcore survival mode, and it varies from person to person. So some of that extra stuff, we can't worry about that because we having trouble meeting our basic needs, our basic stuff. That's just silly. It's like, not a UFO sighting, but it was a hand sanitizer sighting. And it's like, that would be more tenor. Yes. Than something from another world. That is, yeah, like I said, we're just in a strange time. If I'm like, you know what? There there are no rules. The rules are, can you eat today, not get COVID-19, and go to sleep? Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. But else is kind of like, eh, you know, roll, roll the dice. And the, the so, yeah. funny part is, like, having to fight people on this whole I'm not leaving the house stuff. Like, because it was Mother's Day um, Sunday, right? Right. And people were, like, my mom was like, are you going to come by? And I'm like, no. You're not going to come outside and say hi? I called you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was it. Um, Why I got to come out the house? I don't understand. Like, it gives me anxiety now to leave the house. It takes me two to three days to get over the whole experience of leaving the house now. I never thought I'd be like this. And this is where I am. And it and it's just because I don't want to get sick. That's, that's basically what it boils down to. I don't want to get sick. I don't want anybody I know to get sick. And because I don't, I don't, I mean, it's possible it could be mild, but they don't know enough about it, and I don't want to take that chance. So, yeah, I, I get it. Um, I mean, to me, I do go out every, at least probably every other day, but it'll be some simple run to to the grocery store. Um, and again, because I just seem to not be able to write a list and get everything at once, and just that hunker down mode. I think that's just like my one con- connection with humanity is Kroger at this point. We're going to Publix. So I think that's about all I do um, is going out for that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm very much a hoarder. So like the whole idea of like getting survival stuff, like at the first month and in, in two months, um, that was like a game for me. I love that stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's right in my nerd toy collecting DNA. It's just like, okay, there's no deep freezers in 200 miles. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to sit on the internet all day. I'm going to find a deep freezer I can afford. I'm going to go find it and go buy it. So I was doing that, that kind of stuff. But now it's just kind of down to, you know, trying to find yeast to bake bread or some little basic stuff that, uh, again, I'm probably overexposing myself to the, you know, it's not standing in line for Jordans, but it's like, uh, 
you know, it's an unnecessary risk that I think is just I'm taking just to have some sense of control of, of the normal. Um, but then, you know, we got people that don't adhere to any of the social distancing rules. So I even had to cut that out. You know, I, I wasn't one of those people like, um, I guess I was, I was down with the mask. I mean, I've lived in Asia. I'm, I'm good with the mask thing. Didn't bother me one bit. I was like, we finally catching up on that part, but like the have to wear gloves on top of gloves and you got to, you know, spray the food before you eat it and then wash it. And, you know, I'm not to that part of germaphobe, but. You're not? <laughs> no, I'm not that. Cause I feel like if we were in that situation, we'd all have it. We all be, you know, on the floor sick. If it was that type of contagion, uh, cause then otherwise you wouldn't buy it from the grocery store because nobody has anything to sanitize with. So that was my thought of, it can't be that communicable. Uh, but at the same time, if you got people that are like spitting on you or hacking on you, or I'm just going to be in your space with like rampant uh, disrespect to everybody who's trying, then yeah, that's when people are going to get sick. So for me, it was more of a, I know I'm going to touch my face. I just mm. did. I know um, that, I'm going to probably do something that if I touch something that's contaminated, it would increase the possibility of getting it. And so I, because of that, I'm like, I'd rather just wipe stuff down and feel safe in the house and clean stuff off and feel safe in the house than worry. I know stuff dies on the, the products really quickly it takes i don't know what's it a day or two on cardboard or whatever it might actually be even less than that like but we still don't have enough information and i'm always like this is unnecessary like this is the like it's extra work to do it but i'm just do the extra work for the peace of mind oh yeah there's nothing wrong with that and that's why i don't be i don't begrudge anybody that wears two sets of gloves to the grocery store I don't, i'm not like you doing too much i'm like you're probably doing it right um, but again, everybody's got to get through this thing in their own way. And like you say, uh, we just don't have any information. You don't want to take it back to your loved ones or again, be the asymptomatic person that just rolls through this and everybody, you know, like is, is on the ground sick. So I know this has got to be hard for like anybody that like lives with a, you know, lives with a parent or even has somebody that has underlying conditions, you know, that that's not a hard thing to, to do. Or have underlying conditions yourself and still got to get out there because that's the reality. And I'm, I mean, I've kind of been faced with the idea or prospect of, okay, you know, if, if it gets to a certain point, I'm going to have to get out here and do something. You know, I'm not, I'm not financially immune to, you know, six months or waiting for something special to pass through Congress. You know, you think of like, you know, they're saying like people in Puerto Rico, you know, which is a, a, a U.S. territory, you know, nobody's got a stimulus check. Mm-hmm. You know, then they got hit with uh, was another earthquake or another natural disaster happened there, and um, but again, all that coming back to where we are creatively is was there so much going on and so much uncertainty for like the next three to six months. Like like you said, we have no information, nothing to go on. So I think my thing is whatever makes you safe and keeps everybody else safe. Is like what we should be doing. I can't even say we have no information, nothing to go on. The information that we have, people have rejected. <laughs> and... oh, <it> is. 
that's some common sense stuff that we know that to your point is but people have rejected it and so they okay. out there just willy-nilly being goofy and so i'm like i can't account for the nonsense of other people which is the other layer of i'm staying in the damn house i'm right. staying in the house because y'all goofy and i don't understand why y'all being goofy and it's not necessary like none of this is necessary y'all mad because y'all can't go shopping y'all mad because your hair look funny i just put on a wig i look good in wigs i got like 30 (laughs) (laughs) i got a different um, hairstyle every uh, day of the month i'm right there with you at least uh, you know to the side of the information that we have people aren't uh adhering to it or, or really feeling like they're doing their we're not doing our best you know we're rolling back this stuff like there's some type of cure like right up right around the corner like you know, we're gonna have this in um, in CVS next week. <laughs> like, just go ahead and just pop your pill, and it's just gonna be like the regular flu. Yeah, creatively, I would say there's still some good things to this. I think the idea of you know we're we're a captive state, but we're also a captive audience. So I think I've been able to enjoy a lot more things, or just consume a lot more things than I've ever done um, in recent memory. I don't think I've ever watched this much television. Like, I'm not a television person by any stretch. Um, I'd rather be making stuff than watching stuff. But to that sense, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that I've missed. Like, I'm years behind on television shows. And, you know, getting a chance to enjoy some things is good. So at least in that sense, I mean, we're seeing it, you know, creatively or um, the way that we consume Media is, is obviously shifted. Like you know, we can't go to a movie theater, mm-hmm. can't go to a play. Uh, you can't really congregate any place that would have you. You know, do meetups. We've seen several conventions canceled since last we spoke. You know, we're still waiting on a couple to rationalize and realize that nothing really is going to happen this year the way you're thinking. Well, you um, know, it's not that they don't realize it; it's that they they're trying not to get screwed over financially because of it. Right. And I'm sure there's some, you know, there's stipulations for everything that you can't just say you we not we're not going to do it. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sure there's parts that everybody has to consider, like, you know, the deposits and and again, the bigger your convention or or item is, then, of course, that's going to be more and more consideration of of when can you pull the plug with I mean, again, there's drama on that no matter what you do. Um, I'm, tr- I'm doing my best because I've had a few conventions that I prepaid for to uh, to just leave my table as is, even though, you know, I'm, I'm watching every penny. Um, I'm of the mind of that's money that I don't know that I have. So I'm just going to leave it alone versus pulling it out and it going somewhere, <laughs> going to a bill or something, you know, not necessarily not fun, but not not coming back to me in a way that I'm thinking it is. So. I'm hoping that I can keep that the rest of the year. And then again, I think there's not going to be any type of convention of any size until the beginning of next year at best. And I think it's going to be mid next year. It's not going to be like New Year's. And I just had this imagination in my mind of everybody in Times Square, like nothing happened. And then that should be the end of the world. But <laughs> uh, I think that it's going to be about this time next year before we're back to the kind of asymptomatic normal that we have. Like there's obviously going to be changes, but I think, I think it's going to be a year. 
I mean, right. minimum, but I don't think, I think it's going to be longer. Um, I think I, I do not know if conventions are ever coming back the way they were. Um, mm. That's I, interesting. And mm. I say that because I, I don't know. Like, we want them. We really do. I, I think people are financially going to be hit so hard that the recovery from the, the economic part is going to have a significant impact on how conventions are done and whether or not they continue doing them um, the way that they were. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, like you said, at at the earliest, I, I wouldn't even look at January. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't. Yeah. I. I, I got to see how this plays out, and I say that because I honestly did not anticipate the sheer number of people who were just going to be like, "Fuck it, I you die, you die." Like I just did not anticipate <laughs> the scope yeah. of this. Where people right. are out, like everything's fine, and they they not vulnerable to it. So I gotta see how this impacts all the reopenings. I gotta see how this this plays out because um, the populations that are getting hit are actually it's a lot of the people who organize stuff like this. It's older people. It's people with disabilities. It's and I say, and it doesn't have to be like we keep thinking it's like, oh no, the seventies and eighty year olds. No, we're seeing people in their fifties getting hit, and right. so we don't know. And if your what your economic status has a lot to do with it, so we don't know how it's really going to hit the the community, the the creative community. And considering that a lot of the people in that community are also uninsured or underinsured, or there's a lot of things that are contributing to a very very you know, a, a, a perfect storm of we don't know who or what's going to be around next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's really not going to be real for all of us until a majority of our. I hate, and I don't even want to talk the scenario, but it's the reality of when our healthcare system and our healthcare workers really get sick. Or get to a point where it's an attrition of, it's not about you, John Q. Public, you know, going out to your barbecues and swimming in the pools and going to beaches and everything. It's when the hospital doesn't have any doctors that know how to work on this because they're all sick. They're they're laying beside you, right? And yep. I do, or somebody's just being like, it's not worth it. Like, you know, I'm giving up my life so you can go do what, all right? So you can go to the mall, mm-hmm. like. Like you're a, uh, you know, there's some noble reason that you're out or you're a frontline person, you know, trying to make sure that you know, families have access to food, you know, by doing groceries or something like you know, working at a grocery store. Like, um, there are so yeah. many things that we're seeing happen. There are so many systems that we are actively watching break down, watching them break down. I don't know if you've been keeping up with what's going on with the meatpacking industry, with all the the plants where I think it now they're like at, at the, the meat processing plants, that's the poultry, some of the beef ones, just the, there's 
been, I think, a thousand people have gotten sick in various ones. And that's why they keep shutting down because it's actually become a hub of infection. And so, like, there's will be, it hasn't, it, it's happened a little bit. We've recovered some, but there's going to be disruptions in the food chain. <laughs> like, we're already talking oh, about it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, disruptions yeah. in the healthcare system, like you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good. There's going to like there are things that are breaking and we're watching them break and we are not really thinking about what that means on a large scale because we keep right. saying oh it's not going to happen or we aren't feeling it yet so maybe it's not really happening and now a whole bunch of people just went out for the past weekend to go party and hang out and eat at restaurants that open because they goofy and like. <laughs> That's what makes me think that there's going to be another convention too soon and some people are going to push it because of the misnomer that young people have this immunity. Just the fact that young people don't listen Uh, and the fact that there's money involved, that all those things are going to be that somebody's going to have their convention and it's going to be like, you know what, we're going to we're going to be the the rebel group and and look at it as as a way to. To step up and and be a petri dish one way or the other. The so somebody do it. The only way that could even happen is if somehow or other they could make it financially viable. Like they're doing it for free, like at a place that's free. Like there's no way because you can't count on on a good year. You can't count on getting enough people to come through, especially on the newer cons, the older ones, the more established ones. I, they'd be rolling the dice. They would be rolling the dice financially to see if people would actually show up. And right. I'm not sure anybody's willing to take that financial risk because, I, don't get me wrong, there are people who will buy tickets. There are people, I just saw somebody in the comic industry now post how they went out to get coffee at the coffee shop and look, they're still alive. And... <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's just somebody's going to look at it to say... It'd be worth it. It's just it's the same way of putting money in the stock market right now, right? It's the idea like you're buying low on something that's going to shoot back up. So if you're at a convention that you put out there and nothing happens, now it's like, see, you know, now we're the pioneers. We're the ones that you can come to now. And, and that's a way to advertise for feast or famine. You know, we, we already see America, you know, we, we care more about tragedy than humanity. So you know we will look at it. We'll we'll pay extra for the car wreck. So even if you even if you go down in flames, you know we'll we'll just make a Netflix documentary about it. You'll get your money back one way or the other. You know just it's just so happened like some of your your patrons probably won't live to see it. Yeah. So that's just I, I mean that's the only way I can even rationalize people thinking it's okay to sit at a restaurant on Mother's Day. Like what happened? Like to your point, what we've been saying is. People will take their risk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know what I want. I want to take my mom out for a steak dinner. We're gonna sit in this restaurant and we're gonna have a steak with all these strangers. Like it just, and the fact is, it, it just it, it's not that it would happen. It just happened. Right? It just happened on Sunday. All these places were full, and that's what I'm thinking. Like us talking about how crazy it would be for somebody to have a convention. I'm like the right people just waiting for a number from the government to say we're on we we're flattened out 
and then it's going to be a go. Now, I don't think it'll be a New York Comic Con, but it'll be something close to that. I think it'll be something that's a um an area that probably doesn't have like New York's I hate to say reputation or emphasis, but you know I'm not going, but I can definitely see where there would be enough entitled people of a, a certain pigmentation that would show up for such a uh, an event. I don't think they could get the insurance for it. I don't think insurance care. I, I think there's no way at this point insurance is even part of it. I Otherwise. Know. But venues require insurance. Some venues, depending on how large you think the event's going to be, they require that you get insurance. I don't think any insurance company would cover it. Right, but I think everything is under waiver right now because we're just in the Wild West. And no, and I think there'd be a way of that. You think about it. Like in Georgia, kids get driver license with tests. I still can't so, get over that shit. Exactly. So I'm like, if if we're in that sense, you talking about a license? No, I don't think, I think that's so far gone right now. The idea of you know, you get a job now, you you can't even be expected to go to a doctor for a drug test, right? It's like, well, I'm not going out there risk COVID for this job. Okay, we'll just waive it. You know, insurance companies, I think, have some type of free, like I have uh, my life insurance policy, um, you know, and they were like, you know, for, like, I think a certain amount of time, they couldn't cancel your policy without payment mm-hmm. because, of, because of COVID. Uh, I mean, they. I think it's the idea of, Something like the intangible things that's just a, a matter of coverage upon receipt that I don't think that that would be as as far-fetched as it sounds, like you said. Because I think it's just one of them things of, hey, we're trying to stimulate our economy. And somebody's going to, on both sides, going to take that risk. I... Uh, I I don't I don't know. I think any organizer would... I th- Okay, you know who I think would do it? I think those, like cash grab conventions like um what was that one that tried the wizard's world i think wizard's world would try (laughs) Mm. (laughs) i don't think any long established that like that's not a cash grab would go for it i think because nobody wants to be ground zero for an outbreak like i think anybody who's really thinking this through because i was thinking about this for my event black girl geek out was supposed to happen uh, easter weekend and Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was, so it was the mid-March where I was like, yo, I'm going to have to cancel because, right. and this was before the shutdown was really, really coming in, but I was like, nobody wants to be ground zero for an outbreak. Nobody wants to say that there was this community spread that originated at this library at this event. I was like, so just for my own reputation, I'm not willing to risk it. And so I think anybody who's really thinking this through, and I, and I get you, there are people who are not thinking this through. There's people who are opportunistic and they see that people are chomping at the bit for something to go to, for something to do. But here's the other thing, like with the bigger conventions, there's a travel aspect. People right. not traveling the same as they used to. They're not flying places like they used to. Somebody just dropped an article this week about what it was like flying and how horrible the experience was because they were trying to social distance on a plane and they oversold the, sold the plane so for social distancing. So people found themselves sitting next to each other and being totally panicked about the fact that they're sitting right next to somebody <laughs> and they haven't been near anybody that wasn't in their home for the past two months. Right. So, I agree. Yeah. Uh, again, that's why I think we're just in a it's in a, in a weird situation. Uh that 
again, somebody's going to take that risk, and I'm, I'm hoping not. But then again, not the the browbeat it, but it's there's money to be made, so somebody's going to look at that. But I also think in segue that there is a lot of cool projects that are getting out, and kind of the idea of the convention side. Um, I wanted to talk about the change over at Kickstarter. Um, oh, I don't know about this. So Kickstarter is, um, I think they had a couple of things that went in through them. Um, they had a uh, a couple of, of changes. One, I think the there was a unionization of some of the Kickstarter staff. Mm-hmm. Then they are reducing their staff now. By, I think they're, they're in furloughs because they kind of cited about 30% of their Pro, they're down about thirty percent of the the normal quantity of projects. Huh. And for those that, that know, and, and really? Kickstarter is a, a a crowdfunding platform for pretty much any type of project you can imagine. I mean, I've used it a lot. I, I counsel a lot of uh, people on how to set up and utilize Kickstarters. Uh, got a chance to talk um, on behalf of Kickstarter about starting any comics this past here uh, uh, at Schomburg, and. Short answer is they're down on the amount of projects, and I've had a couple of of, of people come to me about you know, citing and when should they launch or if they should launch or should parlay. Um, but yeah, we noticed that like people aren't set that out. I mean, there's a lot of financial realities for like a creator as well as as a patron on there to say, you know, I would love to support you, but I just ain't got it, or I don't know, I'm not working right now, right? So it's hard to even for the especially for independent creators. Um, it's just such a great platform that's worked for so many people. Uh, to see it down is is hard, but then even more so where they're saying it's so down, we got to let go of our staff. So they only get paid if your project's successful, right? Mm-hmm. So they they only can, you know, they, they're your best, biggest advocate. Because the more you sell, the more they get. And that's fair because that's a great, and I think for the most part, transparent um, program. Uh, that said, um, you know, not only have we seen like a a decrease in them, uh, then you've seen a decrease in staff. So that's disheartening. But I, I say all that to say, you know, there are still great projects up there. And you see projects that are like just doing well, more than expected. Because people are wanting to kind of galvanize behind creators now more than ever. Like it's the idea, like we said a little bit earlier, we're consuming so much content. We're looking for new things. Um, not everybody's in that same situation. Uh, even for people that work, you know, you're not eating out as much, you're not spending gas, you know, we all got, or are getting, you know, a lot of time, a little bit of a stipend from this stimulus program as it works. So there may be some more discretionary income for some people that they haven't had, but at least it gives a chance to spend. So I, I say that I'm seeing like a lot of good projects now are out on Kickstarter. Thinking of one like Roy Coupe's um, Iyanu is uh, is a Kickstarter about a young girl who is a YA project um, set in a fantastic African setting that about a young girl who wakes up, doesn't know who she is, but she's got these powers. It feels very much like an Avatar or Legend of Korra, um, but, it, but he's already at $20,000. And he was one of those that initially was going to launch kind of parlayed until now. And he's seeing like the indie community, like rally behind him. And even at a time where like comic book shops are, are literally shuttering for good. Right. We got places scrambling in that retail sense. 
it's still an idea that you still can create in this time and still like find your audience and and still make stuff and still turn to Kickstarter as a uh, a viable circumstance to uh to find to crowdfund your stuff. But it just shows like in a 180 sense, like how much stuff has changed on stuff that used to be pretty much the go-to default to, to do this kind of stuff. So kind of like you were saying about Black Girl Geek Out and trying to understand, you know, when should you cancel and being able to make that, especially for indie creators, it's hard to replicate success. And then it's especially for a sustainment of where you don't fulfill every part of that financially. So I say that to say, you know, there's still good stuff out there. And I, I'm glad to see that creators are still taking that shot, especially those that can or have like a great product like Roy does to not let COVID be a uh, a deterrent, but find like an audience that will support you through it. So that's a, a positive sign that at least I think going back to what we're talking about with the, uh, the locations or like the conventions might be the outweigh. I think we're going to see more and more of this, of kind of that galvanized with digital audiences as a way, at least for the next 18 months until like we figure out what's the new normal with, uh, we're getting together in person. Yeah. Yeah. We're, mm. I mean, that's cool. He has a huge following though, like a huge following. Roy yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. So he's got a great following. He's got a great team. He's he's like he's a watermark for a lot of a lot of what's right, not just with comics, but just with like the creative process in, in general. You know, he's he's legit. But to that end, it's still I think if you go through Kickstarter, there's still been a lot of great projects that have. Uh, you know, I think there was. I think I'm going to say this right. Um, Inviticus, I think it's a queer fantasy, um, queer black fantasy anthology that's published quarterly. Um, I'll, I'll try to drop the link once we find this here. But, you know, there were small press that were looking at getting some things out. And, you know, they found their audience. And again, they had a, a modest budget to start. And, you know, it's been, at least for me, to find creative projects like that, that because there's not as many out there. Uh, you get a chance to to really hone in on the stuff that you're looking for. But like I said earlier, like we're all consuming more, whether I think we realize it or not, mm-hmm. of So it's being real good in a sense of like Hollywood can't make movies, but you know, Hollywood can't make products or the main industry can't make, but we as independents can. And I think in that sense it's been a great boost to look more locally, you know, whether we're talking about local food, local restaurants, local people. Like, you know, I think I knew my neighbors before COVID. But, you know, now they're the only people I really interact with. Though it's across the, you know, across the property lines. But if we see each other, you know, we kind of come within a, a feasible distance and, and try to talk and engage. I didn't have that uh, in my last neighborhood. You know, so the sirens notwithstanding, this is a great, <laughs> a great uh, way to, uh, to actually interact on a, on a, uh, a more, I think in a more real scale, it feels a, little, a lot, it's a lot more analog. You know, we're the analog generation. We're used to, you know, you had to meet people and you know, you had to deal with a lot of stuff in the real world. So I feel like that, that's a, uh, a boost right now. I and mean, uh, kind of, Yeah. 
I mean, it's an industry switch, and I mean, like right now, animation is the way to go because people can do that remotely, um, as opposed to you know creating a film where you need where you have actors and so forth, like doing the art. It, so that those productions we're going to see happen more, um, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. There are going to be. I mean, this is a huge shift. This is a huge shift. I was actually just thinking last week about the open office concept that all these offices had employed where they could, you know, have those tables and rows of people just working right next to each other. And they were supposed to make it into a better workspace, even though it basically just meant everybody irritated each other because they had no privacy. But that shit is something that's gone. If social distancing is going to be a part of our everyday lives for the next couple of years, I'm open office plans don't work no more. Like you got to think about all the industries and how they functioned and how much of it requires people being in the same space. And mm-hmm. that's going to tell you what things are going to kind of last longer and which ones aren't. Um, and even on top of that, there's the, I mean, the ones that are definitely going to make it, and this is, it's always the ones who, you know, the multi-million dollar, billion dollar conglomerates, they will probably have to reduce their size somewhat, but they have reserves to keep going. Um, but yeah, in the indie space, because a lot of indie spaces are really used to having the hustle to get their stuff done, they aren't reliant on a lot of those big systems that keep them producing and in front of people and so forth so it does create more opportunity and i think as creatives people i mean we were i was talking about this with several people you know as soon as we started back in march and i was like we're going to be in the house um we're like this is we're going to be in the house y'all and i was like don't even expect to go to events we're going to be in the house right and people were like, well, I got to figure out how I'm going to get my online store up. I have to figure out how I'm going to get what kind of products I'm going to have, what that's going to mean. And people who have small businesses, I know a woman who has a small business. She makes like bath salts and lotions and all of this stuff. And her business is booming now because all her stuff is relaxation stuff. And she found her market and people are really trying to do the self-care thing and boom and he's he works out of her home she creates all of her stuff she mails it out and it it works out for her um and that's cool unless the post office breaks down which that's a whole other if you're months away from <laughs> the, well, the thing about yeah, it is that we are literally in the ideal situation for um people who lack ethics to make giant cash grabs and they're doing it and for them to destabilize things that they believe don't you know serve their capitalist function and so we're we're living through that too like this is the worst administration to have running shit while <laughs> everyone is distracted by survival cuz they don't care right. if we survive they just want to get their money and we still scurrying and fighting over, you know, like 98, well, over like, you know, 1% of the resources, you know, while they're like cool with 99% and just being like, you know, how can we get more of that, that 1% that they got? 
Like, right. it's just, it's just a, this is not, I am not a doomsday person, although I sound like it right now. I just, it's, but if we want to keep it lighter, which I usually fail at, but we're going to try. Our job now is to figure out where our creative, if we're, if we're trying to make money and make, do products and, you know, have a business running, we need to figure out how we can still get in front of people and get our stuff out there speaking to whoever it needs to speak to and how we can market ourselves in different ways that people would be interested in possibly funding. And so that, and that's a huge shift considering, you know, I had decided my biggest strength was actually being in front of people in person. And now I'm like, nah, I can't do that shit no more. That's a whole like I'm not traveling, mm. but we have all these other ways, you know, like video chats and so forth. But the downside of that is besides having to get the setup and all of that, it's that um, people wanting to pay for it. How do you market that to get people? What what are you going to provide that will have people interested enough that they're willing to say, oh, I'm willing to pay for that? And there's a lot of people who've already been doing that digital marketing kind of stuff. Um mm. But they have to examine their products and think, you know, if your product was how to become a better public speaker, you know, you're going to have to add that digital element to it to help people set up a speaking kind of gig from home as as opposed to getting invited to conferences and all of that, because conferences are done for now. They're not happening no more. Like, just give that up. If you are selling product, you have to figure out how to get your store operating. And I mean, again, there is a whole thing of how are you going to get your inventory and keep your inventory up because some places aren't printing right now. So if you have to get books to send out, how are you going to get your books? Like there are. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm literally at, uh, in that sense right now. Yeah, it's like there are just the the ramifications of it are. You have to be flexible in how you're thinking. You have to start looking at areas. And it, a lot of it is looking at your life and how your life has changed and what things you've had to implement and whether or not there's something in there that speaks to you that you can use to create in your creative endeavors to get things out. So one of the things people do is, and I know you do this, um, you have digital copies of your book, right? Right. And so people can buy digital downloads from your website? Yes. Yep. And that's something I had to troubleshoot. But short answer is I've had a, a few sales of that. And I realized my delivery system needs an update. So it's like one of my to-do updates. But short answer is yes. So it's, yeah. So it's stuff like that. Like, and like I should be doing digital sales of my book on my website. I, I really should. I'm not, but I should. Because um, then you get to keep your profits as opposed to, mm. you know, all the, the third-party sellers who keep more than half of whatever it is. So, I mean, there's – the publishing industry is about to get seriously – I mean, if they haven't already felt it, yeah, they're they're about to really feel it. Mm. Because, I mean, the way even – I mean, they've been out antiquated for a long time. And people have been talking about this for a long time, but now with this whole change of, I mean, publishing houses are still like Blockbuster, you know, remember Blockbuster video? Like, 
that archaic thing when it popped up in Captain Marvel, we were all like, oh, a blast from the past. That shit was a staple oh, yeah. for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I still got my Blockbuster card. I, I worship Blockbuster. I tried to get a job there. That was like, yeah, the, the holy grail of the uh, early was Blockbuster. That was it. And they didn't, they didn't keep up with what was happening. And now we have a huge fundamental shift in how we interact. Um, I People who were going digital were ahead of the game, kind of. I mean, th- things have been going digital for a long time, but I know for a fact that there were a lot of people that had said repeatedly that whole in-person thing is always going to be a part of our business and we don't ever have to worry about that going away. Conventions are always going to be a huge part of our marketing platform and we don't have to worry about that going away because no one anticipates a pandemic. Like, <laughs> right. But I, I, I think they short answer, I think they're owned to something because I think we see it. Like people are willing to die for this human interaction and to be in the same place at the same time. Like it's, like we ignore, like we we just talked about, we'll literally ignore the pandemic to make sure we we looking fresh and we get a chance to sit at a bar and hang out. Like yeah, I think it, it's a destructive part of human nature, but it's also like the the part that makes us human is that that we have to to be in in the same place, whether that's like a a haptic reality or just it's just the way we are just created. Like this idea that we have to be around other people and we want physical things. I do think there's something to it. Like we we're willing to die for the physical. I don't know. I don't think we're willing to die for the digital just yet. So I say that. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I will. I say that to say that, yeah, retail will never be the same, but the fact that these retail people are going to take as many people with them on their way out as they possibly can and not because that's their fault but that's our fault like if they open up a store and say come in you know now so the thing about this and that people are kind of skimming over is that the purpose of government is to actually mitigate stuff like this like that's that's like the whole purpose of it and Part of the mitigation was supposed to be while we were shut down, there was supposed to be a really huge uptick in testing so that we could get a better idea about how the disease is moving. Um, And the social isolation was to try and take that time and to track down the vectors and get those under control and let people get well and possibly, you know, really halt the spread of the disease. And that's a challenging thing. That's a hard thing. South Korea just now shut down again for another month because one person came up positive. They had gone out the weekend before and they believed that they came into contact with like 1,500 people and they've got 100 positives that they know of from the spaces that that person was in. And that was just over a weekend. Like... (laughs) That's that's the way this thing is... So... Like the thing about it is that if we were actually implementing the, 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 and by we, I mean, if the government had been like, okay, we're going to have the testing, we're going to ramp up testing, we're going to do contact tracing, we're going to try to, you know, figure out these ways to keep spaces cleaner and actually know who needs to be quarantined and who doesn't, who needs to isolate and who doesn't. And the testing is not a one-time thing. The testing is going to be an ongoing thing. 
because we aren't 100% sure where people are getting infected. So you would have to get tested repeatedly and that would just have to be the new normal. And it would, and, but we aren't doing any of that. And all of that would have served to one really show people, okay, this is something to be concerned about as opposed to no, just stay in the house and we won't really do shit and just see what happens. You know, now we're like, what we're in the house for nothing, nothing, like nothing changed. So it would have emphasized that need to be vigilant and to actually, you know, do the precautionary stuff. And it, you know, it would have at least we would have more data about how it's moving and who we need to not so much protect ourselves from but just be aware of so that we can try to meet the need as necessary and limit the spread as much as possible but that's not what's happening at all so the messaging is that we're is that you know it doesn't matter and so everyone's like it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. we have no guidance doesn't matter if you the responsibility for this has been pushed to the individual level where that doesn't work on the pandemic that doesn't work when it's this widespread and this contagious <laughs> and so because of that now we're all personally responsible and then we're seeing how many people truly don't give a fuck and they they don't the thing is that they don't think they're going to get sick and they don't think they're going to die that's really what it boils down to. The, all the media has been like poor people, black people, brown people, you know, them the ones that's getting sick and dying. White people don't think they're going to get sick and die, so they don't give a damn. They want to go shopping. They want to get their hair cut. They want to <laughs> eat at restaurants, and they don't care if the servers get sick, and they don't care when in the hospital and the nurses get sick. They don't care because they don't think it's really going to impact them significantly. Yeah. It's and she uh, I, I don't want to bring up a, a further point of depression, but there were two quick things I wanted to, to kind of cite on uh, before we, we kind of got out of here. And that's first thing is, you know, we're here in Georgia, kind of the greater Atlanta area. And I think we'd be remiss to not acknowledge what happened to Ahmaud Aubrey. Uh, yeah. Just going out jogging. Uh, you know, we're talking about like creatively and, you know, what the world that we're in right now, um, I wanted to bring that up because, you know, I think that, and then again, I don't, I'm hoping I don't have to explain what happened uh, with, with that uh, circumstance of the young man that was just jogging through a neighborhood and, and basically just got lynched and killed right then and there and how that kind of floated around for a couple of months. But I, I say that to say that we've got so many things going on. And we kind of joked about the aliens and the spaceships and stuff like this, like how stuff is, we're, we're such a deluge of information right now that stuff is, stuff's like that, I won't say it's getting past us, but, you know, they got reported, but it really didn't gain any momentum until, you know, at least a month after the fact. And then I think just the reality of, there was no action until after a month after that. And I'm, I'm trying to understand yeah, I say this to say that, you know, we've got these circumstances like this where I feel like we as creators, we as artists need to have a a way to, I don't know how I'm trying to make this make sense. I'm just going to say it. Like, how do we as artists fight stuff like that? All right. Like, 
if somebody is just minding their business, they can't, we can't even make it out of the house. And I say we being real tribal right now, saying basically black and brown people, we're talking about things that affect us more than others. And the idea of the story that we tell, honestly, uh, a lot of times precursor to the bad things that happen to everybody else. Um, well, we're in this kind of world and I don't think it's changed that much. I think we're just highlighting things that actually have been happening, but it's, it's kind of the idea that stuff like that just gets recorded or has some documentation nowadays. Is there a way that we as independent artists can stem this tide? I say that kind of as a devil advocate to, um, to what we're all trying to do. Are you asking if we can change the world? I don't think we got to change the world. I think, uh. we, I, don't, I think we just got to, I think we just have to use our platform as best we can to make sure we're talking about the right things. So my thing is, I, I, and I don't know, this is kind of an opening question. Yeah, and we'll probably segue into it. But I'm like, that's the thing I want to be following and retweeting or doing something about as a creative more so than I don't know. I'm trying to think like what was the big thing? Like the versus challenges or somebody's new dance. Like I'm thinking there's like creativity in that and there's energy in that and there's response in that. But I don't know. I think we've got like a a great opportunity right now to like really change like the narrative of stuff that we get a chance to talk about. But I feel like we missed the boat on things like that. And again, that's that's just something I I'm I'm, I'm been thinking about and trying to figure out what can I be doing to do different that has art and what we do as creatives into it. So I say that just as uh, I'm here wondering. I don't I don't know that that's an answer answerable question right off. But I said I just want to throw it out there and ask: Is there more that we could be doing? Yes. We can stop lying to ourselves about what reality is. We can stop telling ourselves that white supremacist patriarchal capitalism has ever had our best interests at heart and is going to save us in any way. We can stop selling that story. It's a lie. We can look at the media and recognize it for the programming that it is. And we can acknowledge it. And we can call attention to it and we can choose not to support it um we can be honest with ourselves and the people around us that these systems that are breaking they they were never designed for us and that the reality is that anti-blackness is global we are considered to be expendable and that we're never going to be approved by the status quo and that the status quo is actually dangerous to us and that needs to be the message all the time and that we need to break this 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 it literally needs to burn down we need to stop trying to figure out how we fit into this and destroy it because it's designed to exploit us until we die it's designed to kill us through that exploitation. And that's, that's literally 
what this country is founded upon. Mm. So if we stay honest in that, instead of trying to sell this, you know, friendship is magic, rainbow coalition, you know, there are some nice ones, let's let's pretend that we can actually be friends. Nah, that we gotta get rid of that narrative. That narrative is is a lie. It is to keep us complacent, it is to keep us docile, it is to keep us promoting the very thing that is destroying us. And people hate that message. They hate it. They'll fight you tooth and nail about it. And they'll fight you because there it's a layered system that rewards some parts of you while punishing you for other parts of you. So as a black person, racism's always gonna get you. As a man, you'll have some patriarchy that you can kind of glom onto where they'll give you a leg up over the women that are around you and that will give you a pathway to some addition, some power over someone and the thing about it is that we got to stop looking at this world as you know trying to get power over people we have to get rid of the hierarchy i want to see more art and more creative stuff that is not reinforcing this idea of social status that's mm-hmm. not recreating these these violence and the wars and this thing that we're all competing with each other the competition aspect of our society is not sustainable you got to look at it like, and this is just me giving a, we're going to pull a pop culture example. I look at the Sith code, right? In Star Wars, the Sith, the, the way that the Sith come up is that you have to, you have, um, you're found by a master, they train you, and then you guys are literally in competition with one another and the others to be right. the best. And the way that you prove you're the best is by killing off who's supposed yeah. to be the best. Yeah. Think about all the knowledge, all the, the, the possibilities that are destroyed in that system. And yet that's how our system functions. We function in this way where we might make teams, but the teams are designed to compete against other teams and to take out the other teams. It's not collaborative. We aren't building communities. We're literally, we're trained to destroy communities. We are trained not to actually collaborate on things. We are trained and conditioned not to try to, to build each other up and make a better world. We, instead, we, we are like, no, there can only be one. <laughs> you know, we, you have to take out the competition. You can't work with them. No, there's only space for you. So we have to get these ideas out of our art. 100%. 100%. And we don't think about the ways that we're trained in this because it's it's a part of our art. You think about the video games that we play. I was I was with my husband, we were playing ES um Elder Scrolls Online and I was like, why is it every city we go in there's a slave narrative? Like there's a slavery story. And why is it in all these slavery stories we're complicit in some way? Mm. <laughs> Yeah. What the hell is this? This is supposed to be a fantasy world where anything is possible, and yet here we are with slavery. That doesn't oh. have to be part of this. Oh yeah, you just get to have the happy slaves that are good with it. Right? But you, but you know what I'm saying? Like this is, we are constantly re-churning, churning out these very negative tropes, these very destructive ideologies into our art into everything that we do and then we wonder why we're a bunch of monsters half the time 
we program ourselves to be monsters. We condition ourselves to be monsters. So the challenge is, how do you create things that don't do that? Even the game I'm playing, Garden Paws, where all I am is a little furry animal and I build pretty stuff and, you know, but the part of that game is that I have to chop down half the damn resources. Mm. Now, they made them grow back fast so you don't really have, like, this full-on destruction. And, of course, that's unrealistic, but I'm still destroying the environment to create this other thing that doesn't really need to be there. And then they added a combat thing in there just because people like combat. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, these creatures were just in their cave chilling. And I came in the cave and just decided I was going to murk them because I wanted some stuff out the cave. That's whack. <laughs> I, I, there's a lot in there. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do... I must at least run off on a positive note. I thought that was really positive. <laughs> no, I actually no, gave no, a whole directive. No, no, not your stuff. Not that. No, I'm saying, like, you know, starting off with this whole uh, murder thing. And at least we got back to Garden Paul, so that's good. Um, no, I was just going to say, and listening to what you're saying, I agree with a lot of it. I think for us as artists, I just want us to take this chance while we're I feel like artists are essential workers at this point. I think yes. that's really what I feel like is, you know, obviously, you know, healthcare uh, providers, people who are on the, the front lines and, you know, we're talking about truckers and people who are working at the grocery store and delivering our mail. But I really feel like the artists and the liberal arts are like what's keeping, you know, we're, we're the, the last pin in the gate before it just all falls down. I just hope that creators, particularly independent creators, get some sort of agency out of it. Like we get a chance to show and share how we are on par with with the same things that we've been all consuming and, and being a part of you know, the things that make up our fandoms that, you know, we're having to support at this point in time. Like we said, a lot of this stuff is not going to be around this year. So I really hope that through self-care and and through some appreciation from the uh, people that we're creating uh, in our audiences towards that this this is not a one is not a one hit wonder. But I think it's it's a wonderful time to be a creative. Um, it's just if you can survive the madness in between the days. So I say that I just hope this is really appreciated, like what it takes to make independent art. That's it. Yeah, I I have appreciated the opportunity to say no to stuff. I've been overloading my schedule uh, for the past mm -hmm. couple of years, and this stop is actually, in some ways, has been really, really nice because mm -hmm. I don't have to say yes to things anymore. And the reality is, I don't have the bandwidth for it with all this stuff going on either. Like, anytime somebody's like, hey, like, I was asked if I would be interested in doing a panel for Momocon, and I was like, a streaming panel? I was like, no. Do you want to <laughs> do some content for us? No. Don't mm. you want to apply to? No. Like, <laughs> I'm totally set up to do it. I can do it. I, no. I Because... I, and this mm -hmm. is the part that we don't always realize. When we're out here going to conventions and doing panels and doing events, we are giving a lot of ourselves and a lot of our energy to that. And I think you froze up again. 
Really? Oh, okay. You you, you look like you're frozen. <laughs> oh, I was listening. <laughs> no, no, you had stopped moving completely. <laughs> yeah, I stopped moving. I think I just stopped moving. <laughs> so, right. I was like, what the hell just happened? He's just not going. Anyway, so... Yeah, we give a lot of our energy out there, and I don't think we are always aware of just how much of ourselves we're putting out there and how much we're giving away. And it does make it harder to work on projects, and it does change your priorities. Like, I usually take a break from people because I'm very aware that people have expectations of me that I don't want to deliver. And so I have to shut down all of that so I can come back and focus and recenter on what it is that I'm trying to do. What is it that's calling to me? And this has been a great opportunity for me to say, I'm just going to do the stuff I want. And I'm finding that in all of this messiness, all of this noise, all this chaos that's happening right now, I just want to do pretty shit. I just want to, I want to fucking dress up as a butterfly. And <laughs> I just want to be pretty. Hey, what's wrong with you? Now, like I said, you're doing it. You're doing it right. Like I said, especially if you can do it on the cheap, and like you say, you know, get get what satisfies you is is what's up. Yeah. So I mean, so it's a great time for you to really sit back and just let yourself be quiet and see where your energy tend like wants to flow, right. and and listen to it. As opposed to constantly trying to to figure out how you can get on people's radar or how you can get people interested or, you know, instead of worrying about the reception, you can think about the source and get back to whatever it is that got you interested in this in the first place. Right. So it's a it's a if you're not constantly in survival mode which is really hard not to be right now. But if you have those moments of quiet where you can really just be with yourself and, you know, and let yourself just do the things that speak to you naturally, it this is a good time for that. And I'm I appreciate that. So So no, in in, in this madness there is some stillness to to do what you need to do. So I think it's just trying to carve it out and trying to figure it out how to get to it. And not destroy yourself in the meantime, you know, or, or uh, yeah. So let's, well, you know, I think we'll wrap it up with one last thing then. So um, what are you working on? If there's anything you want to share or highlight and yeah, we'll, we'll get back to quarantine. <laughs> I'm still waiting to get back. I, I haven't seen the art for the, the kamikaze story that I wrote, mm. um, which is a comic short. It's going to be in their short circuits anthology whenever that gets rolling. I don't know. Their printer isn't printing, or at least they weren't. And I don't know what the artist is doing. I mean, because, you know, everything's changed. Like, right. <laughs> the deadline moved. It was trying to get it out for Momocon. Momocon's not really happening. I personally am just invested in seeing the story done. And I've seen the roughs of it, and it's it's exciting. It's like I I, I get how you felt about Sorghum and Spear to have mm-hmm. what you did now, you know, in this illustrated format. And yeah, so I I can't wait for that. And I'm doing my little thing where I'm commissioning art from people, like I always do, and you know, just kind of like look at this, look at look at this art I've commissioned, and making stickers out of it. 
because I just like it. Like, I have a new one. It's a little fairy because I was dressing up as – I don't even know what I was. I don't know if I was a demon, if I was a fairy. I was in black. I had wings. I, I looked a little fierce, and I had somebody draw it in a little chibi form, and it's so cute. So I'm going to drop <laughs> that picture, like, tomorrow because, again, it's just I just want to be cute. I, that's it. I just want to do cute stuff and take pictures of it. <laughs> hey, you got you got to be feeling yourself in the apocalypse. So if if you if, if you're not gonna be cute for yourself, then you know when the zombies come, you know what 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 we had to look forward to. Yeah, what what was it all for? Like, what what were we living for? Oh, if... weird. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. what about you? Ah, this is. It's sorghum and spear. It's all. It's almost done. Um, we've we've had uh, in a good way some meetings um, with the production team. I'm just getting it just completed. So it it the second half of it should be in lettering. Uh, probably end of this week. Worst case next week. So we'll have some stuff to like send out to kind of show just like this, like a proof of life, like the book is finally going to be done. And and with that, I'll get a chance to like share the other things that I was working on that kind of just got held up last year, um, like the anthology and and then more stuff with Sorghum, and then with that, trying to work on a a science fiction book. And I think between those two, trying to figure out what am I going to do when I grow up, like uh, my day job of like traveling a hundred percent of the time. I think at least in these two months of not being able to travel. Like now it's gonna be so hard to get on the plane and just go to X, Y, and Z Monday through Friday. Like now I feel like it's the time to try to strike out and make something like as a creative career. And again, that's that's kind of like walking into the fire. So I'm trying to steal myself for that. So I think that's really what I'm working on is how to make my creative career the day job, not the not the the nighttime thing that I'm too old to stay up for now. Cause I really got the the old man pass out in this chair, like eight eight to ten thirty Eastern Standard Time. It's just a it's a gamble. It's just like a roll of the dice. I go, I just hit this thing and it goes back, and it's just like it's like the new Lazy Boy, and wow. I'm just wake up at random times of the night, and it's just like well, and you can't see it. I have my futon like right next door, and I just like roll right into it. It, it it's just. <laughs> it's not conducive to uh to getting stuff done. I don't, I don't pull any all nighters anymore. Like that's that circuit's burnout. I think once I sat down like this, before I could just be up days on the end just doing stuff. Like now it's it's like pepper corn remembers. It's like rock <laughs> my old man chair, just thinking of it, just all I need is some country time lemonade. I'm 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 aging fast, so it's all good. Um but that's it. You know, but this is a fun format, though. I, I think this works out. Um, it's a good idea, and I uh, appreciate that. Glad to see that, again, you're, you're doing stuff, and I'm trying to do stuff, so I think that counts. You always say that, and then you come out and be like, yes, and now I have signed with this, you know, this celebrity to talk about this thing and do <laughs> this thing, and I'm like, whatever, man, and I just, I scribbled some essays, um, and I got somebody to make me a new sticker. Hey. hey. <laughs> but, the but the difference is somebody sees your sticker and your essays. I say stuff like that and it sits on my desk and nobody ever sees it. And it's just like, yeah, I got this thing. And then it never comes out. <laughs> so I, I got to uh, I gotta clean my desk off. But to that point, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping 
on both our sakes, we'll just keep it going. So, no, I'm good. Hopefully, like, while we, we both stay healthy and families and all that good stuff and everybody that's tuning in and, and actually watching us on this live show, you know, we'll we'll drop it. And, yeah, it, likewise, let this get off my desk. And... Uh, <laughs> Make this make it make make a make a start from there. All right. So, all right. So with that, that's the new Wakanda podcast on video, and we just gonna say keep on creating and appreciate y'all. Jazz hands. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. All right, y'all.